Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, beginning reading with verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will receive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold the bondslave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel Departed from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Be Be seated, please. Simple question to lead us right to the communion table. Do you live in peace? Is peace a recurring reality in your awareness, often in your life? Is peace with God real to you? Does it feel real to you? Do you have peace with yourself? Sometimes that's the most difficult place to find peace is with yourself. Do you have peace with the other people in your world, your immediate family, your extended family, your neighbors, so far as it is possible with you? Are you at peace with the creation, with the struggle that's going on in our earth? Sometimes so hard to understand and so very hard to alter, to have an impact upon. Are you at peace? You know, during the season of Christmas, people are more in the mood for miracles than probably any other time, right? I mean, after all, the whole Christmas story is miraculous. I'm not sure what's the biggest miracle, the fact that an angel appeared so bright and dazzling to this young virgin to give her a direct message from God. You know, that's what an angel is, really, is a messenger of God. He appeared to her to give her this message, and she didn't faint. I mean, she didn't pass out. She was a little afraid. In fact, in the scriptures, they use four adjectives to describe her at this point and her reaction to this angel. These adjectives include thoughtful, uh, favored, perplexed, and afraid. And that oftentimes happens in our lives for many reasons, but how often does it happen because you get a message from God, from a person of God, from the other realm of creation? Wow, that is amazing, is it not? 
People come in and hear that story, and some of them go home snickering and say, I can't believe people still believe that. Well, hallelujah, some people do. Hello? Because unless this story is true and real, then that man, Jesus, could not have been the Son of God. He would have been born in sin. It's only as his parentage, if you will, comes from God through the Holy Spirit and Mary that he comes to us as our Savior and as our Lord. Now, it's important for us to celebrate what this really is. This is a passage of Scripture that's the Annunciation, which is a fancy word, theological word for the announcement of the incarnation by the angel Gabriel. He comes to Mary and he announces to her that she's going to have the Son of God as her child. (laughs) She's a virgin engaged to another guy about to get married in a very morality-stricken world. And she's going to be walking around expecting too early. You know, there are people in every community. It's their solemn duty. It's foreign occupation to keep up with when somebody gets married, how soon they expect to have a child. It was much more obvious in the old days. You know, it was the older women in the congregation, the more experienced ones who kind of track those things. It's much more subtle now, sort of. But still, people get excited, and can you imagine how excited they got when Mary became an expectant mother? Even Joseph was like, what? How can this be? Now, she had already asked, how can this be? Because it was confusing to her, too, but can you imagine Joseph? She says, how can this be? And Joseph goes, how can this be? You know, what's going on? What's going on is God... It's making it a point to invade history. For all those professors and all those people out there who think God is only for the heavens, to be our polite father in the heavens, never to get mixed up in earthly affairs, you are wrong, wrong, wrong. This is a God who came to earth in a particular time, in a particular place, to a particular person, in a particular community of faith. He came to her. It's real. It's historical. It's documented in history. Jesus walked about in Nazareth. Jesus was flesh and bones. And get over it. He was God. At the same time, he was fully human. Don't try and figure it out. It'll wear you out. We're not capable of that. Just proclaim it. Just announce it to all the unbelieving imbeciles. Oh, wait a minute. To all the unbelieving people who don't believe. They're not imbeciles. They're just slow. They're slow on the uptake. You said, did you mean to say imbeciles or not? Sometimes I feel like they're imbeciles because my peace is often shaken by them. How can there be so many people in Carrollton, Texas who do not believe that Jesus was the Son of God when they're surrounded by 30 or 40% of people who really do? How is that possible? It's frustrating to me. Yesterday, our gang got together as four pastors and spouses. One is a bishop in another state far away, almost another country, Nebraska, Kansas, you know, way away. One of the others is like me, still working in our conference as a pastor. One of them is retired and smiling at all of us. 
And so what do we do when we get together? Well, we eat. We don't talk about church until we finish lunch. And then the women went off to another room and the men stayed at the table. And boy, some of my brothers frustrated. Made me feel good, actually. I'm glad they're more frustrated than I am. You know, that's a, but that's the way it is with being a pastor. When you're looking at the world and trying to find your peace, you can get very distracted. When things are going on in nations that just make you want to bawl, and when you're seeing pictures on the TV about people who are hungry, when you're feeling the stress of the world and knowing they're not at peace, when Christ, the bringer of peace, is all around them, they can't see him, it is so sad, it's overwhelming. And it is hard to find your peace. But, as the children said with me, peace is possible. So the question becomes, how is peace possible as we prepare to come to the table? Okay, now, understanding Mary is complicated, isn't it, in the Christian community? Favored, perplexed, thoughtful, and afraid. Why pick Mary to bear the Son of God? The Roman Catholicism teaches, as Christians, that Mary was sinless as the mother of God and that she lived in perpetual as a perpetual vermin. They continue to teach that. She was extraordinary. She was beyond other women. And so she is lifted up and adored in ways that make Protestants kind of squirm sometimes. Because Protestants don't announce that thing about Mary in the same way. In fact, we believe that what is most extraordinary as Protestants about Mary is her ordinariness. She's a young virgin. That's what she is. Without sin, come on, everybody's sinful, it includes Mary. Jesus is the only dude that's not sinned. Get over it. You don't have to be sinless to have peace with God. Thank God. We don't have to have people who are sinless before they can come and worship God. Thank God. Peace is possible because Jesus Christ came and died for us. And in this context with Mary... What was going on is very this. First of all, I bet you Mary knew she was ordinary. I bet you when he says, hell, highly favored one, she got kind of excited, like most of us do. And then he says, you're going to bear a son as a virgin. And uh, she went, this is my gift. This is why I'm favored. Can we talk about another plan? What's my second calling? Let's go on the second one first. This first one seems a little extreme. I mean, you know what they're going to be saying at the well? Uh, you know what Joseph is going to say? You know what my parents are going to say? You know what people are going to think from now on about me? Probably she didn't even realize that someday we would not think what she's thinking we would think. But can you imagine how long that took? There are still people around who snicker. Some of them are teaching in seminaries about the virgin birth. They are wrong. They are wrong. And you say, preacher, how can that be? Because I believe in miracles. I believe that God intends to enter the historical realm, not just in Mary, but in us as well, who are also sinful. But first of all, for her to know peace, she had to accept that God was coming to her as a sinner, and yet God was going to use her. Would you write that down? Or just repeat after me. You're not going to write it down anyway, because most of you don't have paper and pen. But do this. I am, I am. a sinner. And so is is. everyone else. And God intends intends to do God's work work. in this world, in in these days, days. through sinners sinners. just like me. me. Thank you. Don't forget that. It's important. 
Because you never know when you're going to meet a sinner. Yes. See, it is funny, right? I mean, we Christians, we, we love to feel more peaceful by elevating ourselves above and beyond those who are not in church, who are obviously big sinners. They're big sinners. And we in church, we're smaller sinners. It is funny when you look at it that way. We're all sinners. And guess what? We're going to still be sinners. Even as we become more and more like Jesus, we'll be finding out more and more about that which needs to be transformed in our lives. If you're going to find peace, you're going to have to admit you're a sinner. If you're going to have peace with your world, you're going to have to understand they're sinners too. And we're not all on the same page. Secondly, you're going to be the mother of God. This is your calling. Well, how about if Mary just said, thank you very much, but... No, thank you. Uh, I know I have a cousin down the street who would love to be the mother of God. And she's married. It'll be a lot easier. You know, she could have said, Are you, 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 this won't work. This is a really bad idea. Could I talk to someone higher up the chain than that Gabriel? Uh, could, I, could God reconsider? You know, I, it's just hard. This is being favored. This is... I, I please God, and so this is my reward here on earth. Peace is found when we hear and understand and accept our calling from God, because God has a vocational interest in your life. You need to be listening for what God is calling you to do. It's not just calling Cindy or Doug or pastors around the company. God is calling every believer to take their gifts and use their graces in the work of his kingdom on this earth. Every one of us. We're all sinners and we're none of us worthy and he's calling every one of us. And by the way, that is not only his preferred way of acting on this earth, but except for miracles, that's the only way God acts on this earth. We pray for God to do miracles and sometimes I think as we're praying, God is up there shouting, I'm ready, are you? I'm ready to do the miracles. I'm ready to do the work, but I need some hands and feet that will let me use them. I need some people like Mary who will say, I'm yours. I'm your servant. That's what, we, that's what God is looking for. He's looking for people who are searching for their vocation. And then lastly, he's looking for people who will cooperate with God in their calling in this world. I can't tell you how unpeaceful I was in the years 1976 and 1977. And you know why I was unpeaceful? I don't know. Is unpeaceful a word, by the way? Who's my English teacher? Somebody said, yes, thank you. I don't know that it is, but it works for me. I lacked peace in my life for one reason. I really knew that God had a vocation for me, and yet I couldn't figure it out. Unless it was a ministry thing, and I really didn't want to do that. So I kept saying, that's not it. I was really hard-headed. I'm a slow learner in terms of accepting what God wants to do with my life. I kind of like to be in charge of my own life. I sometimes like to be in charge of your life. But, you know, you're not, sometimes I don't really want to be in charge of your life at all. So it's kind of a mixed bag, right? Well, it's kind of that way when God calls you, you know what God has called you to do. Because once you know what God has called you to do, then you are obligated to do it to the best of your ability. The only way that's going to happen is if you coordinate with it. Mary was not forced, nor did Mary have complete freedom to do whatever she wanted to do if she wanted to live in the will of God. 
That's what I finally discovered. And you know what? I found after I said yes, I found that peace was... Sounds like popcorn out there. Pop, possible, pop, possible. It's not exactly an overwhelming roar, is it? Peace is possible when we give peace a chance by recognizing our humanness, by searching for our call from God, and by cooperating with God in the fulfillment of our call. You want to be peaceful? Then give peace a chance. Give peace a chance, and you too will find out that peace is possible. If you want to just go to church and not look for your vocation, you can do that. It's your freedom. Not going to have much peace, but you know. Some people don't like to be peaceful. Maybe some of you don't think you need God's peace. Maybe you think God doesn't know what he's doing. But maybe you, like Mary, were thinking, how can that be? I mean, you know, God, yeah, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'll be too weird if I start letting my life be centered around God's vocational call for me despite how I'm making a living. You mean I got to take this peace with God thing to work with me? That's for Sunday morning. I got a lot of weird dudes I work with. They don't know anything about God. Gary thing is, one of my staff was shaking. Yeah, there's a lot of weird people where I work too, and she works here. (laughs) You're lucky I didn't call your name. But she's right. (laughs) Peace is possible. We're coming to the table of grace, which is really about the table of peace that we share in. Jesus gave his life for us so that we could have peace. Whenever we come to the table to receive the broken bread that Jesus was willing to offer to the world, then we are aware in that moment that we have peace with God. People would like to have peace with God in other ways. Unfortunately for them, that's not the way God planned it. God planned for you to have peace because Jesus Christ was going to come and die for all of us sinful people and all the other sinful people in the world. That's how we're going to have peace. That's where it begins is with the peace of God.